be preeminent in our church in all that we say and all that we do. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we ask you again for your help. In Jesus' name I pray and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, Paul loved the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, Paul loved the church. Paul had never been to Colossae, but he loved these believers. No doubt Paul had caught wind that some false teachers were getting ready to creep in and were going to lead them astray, to seduce them. Satan is out to seduce people from the truth. He uses subtle ways to draw men and women away from the truth. And so Paul writes to inform and clarify to these believers, now listen to this, that Jesus Christ is better than everything. Jesus Christ is better than everything. He is preeminent over everything. Philosophy, especially. You're going to see that in just a few moments here. Our world has many weird beliefs. If you don't believe me, just go through and search out some of these weird beliefs. You remember some years ago when um, these people thought that the, the Lord was coming back on the comet, Haley's Comet group, and they all wore the same outfits and they all dressed the same, and they waited for this comet to come by, and they all took cyanide and killed themselves that they were going to hop on the tail of the comet. I mean, that's ridiculous. And we all know what happened with Jim Jones and David Koresh and all these other things. The startling thing that we have to acknowledge is that there were professing believers who were led astray. You remember years ago, um, 20 reasons why the Lord will come back in 2000? How many of you remember that? There were people literally in the United States on mountains with their Bible waiting for the Lord to take them out. And that's the thing about humans, we're gullible. We want to believe things. Uh, For instance... uh, we get a, a movie that comes out and it's something that deals with, uh, you know, it's, it's magical. And everybody, oh, it's such a great movie. And people are led astray by these sensational feeling, feel-good things. You understand what I'm saying? And if we're not careful, those things can creep in the church and lead us away from the truth of the Word of God. If you follow the first church... If you follow the first church, the Bible said they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ daily in house to house and in the temple. Every day. That was the drive of their church, not some mystical thing. Now later in the book of Colossians, we're going to see Paul deals with some of this mysterious, weird teaching out there. But he needs to garner the people's hearts. He needs for them to know that just because he had not been there doesn't mean that he doesn't love them, that he's not committed to them. He wants them to know that he struggled for them night and day. Look with me in verse 1. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. The Apostle Paul says, I have this great conflict. That word great conflict is struggle. We get the, our English word from the Greek word. Our English word is agonize, to agonize. Anybody know what agonizing is? In the original language, it was used as an athletic struggle. Have you ever watched wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling? Did you watch wrestling in the Olympics? You guys need to uh, be enlightened. Wrestling is cool, man. 
and boxing, these athletic struggles that they have. That's the kind of concept. Now we know that this struggle has to be spiritual. It can't be physical because Paul was in prison when he was writing this and he had never seen the Colossian believers. So this struggle that the Apostle Paul is having, he's agonizing, is this spiritual battle over the hearts of the people of God. And if you think, just because you're a Christian, that Satan won't try to seduce you, that Satan won't try to throw you off course, you are deceived and you're probably well on your way to being deceived. This is a spiritual battle. And Paul... As he writes in Ephesians, says there's two weapons in his spiritual battle. Number one is prayer. Number two is the Word of God. And I believe that Paul's struggle was that this spiritual battle that was taking place, he fought in prayer. How do I know that? Look with me in verse 2. That, these are prayer requests. This struggle is prayer. And he's praying, number one, that their hearts may be encouraged. Do you know that discouragement is a... Favored, not favorite, but favored tool of Satan amongst the church. If he can get you discouraged, he can seduce you. Because when you get discouraged, he'll have something to come along, sensational, that will come to you in your feelings. Because when you and I get discouraged, we begin to self-pity, right? We sink into that self-pity. Woe is me. And, you know, Lord, I'm trying to serve you. And, you know, I'm just trying to do this. And it gets worse. And all that. How many of you ever felt that way? When we get discouraged and we get all alone, the devil, the Bible says, is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants you. And so Paul prays that their hearts would be encouraged. Number two, he prays that they would be knit together in love. Strength. This knit together is joined together. Ladies do knitting. I don't know all about that. I ain't going to try to do that. But it amazes me how they can take this and knit something nice and beautiful. Me, I do well to tie my shoes. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> i got a supporter here. But knit together in love. Woven together. Strength. Why? Because there's strength in unity and fellowship. I've told you this before. Have you ever watched the animal uh, channel? And you ever watched when the uh, lion is hunting that gazelle and there's a bunch of them and that lion has crept down below the wood line and he's waiting. He waits for that one gazelle to move away from the pack. And when that gazelle moves away from the pack, then he attacks that one that's moved away. You and I are vulnerable for the attacks of Satan when we move away from the strength of unity and fellowship in this local assembly that God has placed us together. Paul knew that. That's why he prayed for these believers, that they would be knit together in love. You know, love is a binding agent. You know the Bible says that love hides a multitude of sin? We can can look at our children and our children does something. Isn't that wonderful? And other people are thinking, that kid's crazy. What's the difference? We love that kid. You know what I'm saying? We love it. And so there's, a, there's something powerful about love. And it binds us together. And then he says, Attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ. The mystery of God, both of the Father and, is not in the original. It's more reads like this. 
to the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is Christ. He says that we succeed in achieving full assurance in the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is Christ. He's praying that they would understand Christ and Christ in them, and as Christ is in them, they would understand assurance. I have to tell myself daily, my assurance is not based on my ability to do. I would fail every time and so would you. My assurance is based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. And this was a great mystery. The Old Testament saints didn't understand this. Why? Because they were conditioned to the law. Touch not, taste not, handle not, those things. And it's still in Baptist churches today. Some of my close friends think I'm a heretic because I don't wear a tie. But I say, Jesus didn't wear a tie. And they say, but you're not Jesus. And I said, I know that. But I still ain't wearing a tie. And what I want you to see, guys, is this. Paul understands this and he's praying these requests on behalf of the believers. Why? Because he knows the potential of the seduction of some of the saints. There's the potential there. It's the same reason you parents guard your children. What they see, what they hear. You guard them because you know there's a potential seduction into that lifestyle. I hope you do, and I believe you do. And so Paul's purpose is revealed in verse 4. Now he says this, look in verse 4. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with pervasive words. He was concerned of the potential of their being seduced from the truth by those who might come in with persuasive words and woo them away from the hope that's in Jesus Christ. Next week we're going to show you that Christ is better than any religion. And you'll find out that they wanted to bring back in some of the law. They say, if you want to believe in Jesus Christ, you can believe in Jesus Christ. But you've got to be circumcised. And you've got to keep the law. And you've got to do these things. And Paul says, you've got to be careful that you don't be seduced from moving away from Christ. My hope is in Christ. Your hope is in Jesus. As she's saying, all my hope is in Jesus. We didn't plan that and it worked out, didn't it? Amen. He had not been there physically. Look at verse 5. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith. Your, your, your standing, your standing firm on the faith, the faith in Christ. Paul encourages them. And he tells them, listen, these are the prayer requests on your behalf. Now, verse 6, he gives the key to all of this. He gives the key to overcoming the seducing power of Satan. And here it is. I love this. In this big argument, he's arguing about them being seduced by persuasive words. He comes and he says this. He says in verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. That therefore is very important. As you therefore have received Him. How did we receive Him? We received Him by faith. So how do we walk? We walk by faith. That is the key. Church, the key is that we walk by faith. The key to them having their hearts encouraged. The key to them being knit together in love. The key to them understanding the full assurance of the mystery of God, which is Christ. The key to all of that is walking by faith. Now, how do we do that, right? 
It's easy to preach, isn't it? Walk by faith. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you this, honestly. I want to tell you this. I have full acknowledgement here as a pastor. It's easy to preach about walking by faith. It's easy to preach trust Christ. But it's the most difficult thing for you and I to do is to take our hands off the situation and give control to God. It is the most difficult thing you and I will ever do. You know why? Because the same battle that Paul is fighting on his knees against uh, the spiritual principalities and powers over that church is the same power that comes after us to convince us that flesh is the way to do things. And flesh is never the way to do things. Paul said, in this flesh dwells no good thing. None, not any, nothing. Nothing. And so Paul says, the key to overcoming the seducing power of Satan is to walk by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because it's all about Christ. And our faith is a response to the preeminent Christ. Now, verse 7, he's going to show us how that we can walk by faith. First of all, he says... This, being rooted and built up in Him. Literally, let your roots go deeply in Christ. Now, I need to tell you this. I love you. I don't know your habits, and I'm not getting on you. I'm not picking on you. But I'm telling you this. If you don't have a daily personal relationship with Christ in which you are seeking for your roots to grow deeper, where you're in the Word of God. I mean, there's so many devotionals. We're updating our website. I'm not. Dave Nees is updating it for me because I'm illiterate when it comes to that stuff. It's a necessary evil. You've got to have it today. But you can go to our website, shawneehills.com, and you can click on daily uh, devotional. It takes you right to Charles Stanley's daily devotion, so we don't have to write one. Yes, yes, I, I, I thought that's great. We're going to coattail on him. He, he's doing a good work, and we'll just glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through his work, all right? And so it goes right there. You can do a daily devotional. We have daily breads back there. You have your phone. You can get a daily devotional sent to you, a daily scripture sent to you. We are without excuse in this day of why we're not in the scriptures. We're without excuse. And if your roots are going to go deeply, you have to have that thriving, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about doing things. I'm talking about that knowing Christ. And how do you know Christ? You know Christ through the Word. He reveals Himself through His Word. And it says, being built up in Him. We have to have a pattern of growth. If we're walking by faith, look, faith is simply believing what God has said. That's faith. It's believing without seeing. God's Word says this, I believe it. God's Word says this, I believe it. And every day as we're reading the Scriptures, we come into something, and God's Word says this, if I have faith, I obey that. It's that simple. It's that simple. And I grow when I learn something I didn't know. This is what God's Word says about it. I believe it. I walk in it. I am growing in my faith. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense in my mind. I hope you're there, but my mind's like, whoo. And so, uh, anyhow, you need to think this through. If I am going to let my roots grow deeply, and then I am going to grow myself, grow my faith, and sometimes God stretches our faith by allowing trials and tribulations to come in our lives, it's very important. Very important. You know why you enjoy summer and spring so well? Because you hate winter. And if you didn't go through winter, you would hate summer. Because you're human, and I'm human, and we're all the same. And so we have to go through winter so that we enjoy spring and summer. I mean, how many of us can't wait to cut grass in the spring? In August, we're like, man, can I spray weed killer on that stuff? I've thought many times, man, how much would it cost to dig it up, put blacktop and paint it green, and hallelujah. 
But even grass would grow through the stinking cracks. Can anybody be with me? You can't win. You got to mow. But we got to go through those tough times so that we grow and we're stretched. And then he says, in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Firm in the faith. The faith is a definite article. The is a definite article. It means one faith. It's the faith that they're talking about that was once delivered to the saints. It embodies this whole belief in Christ and obedience to him. Being firmly fixed in that, standing on that, not moving from that. Paul says that's what it means to walk in faith and abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving, it means to multiply in thanksgiving. You know, the longer we live, the Bible says that in the last days, that one of the characteristics of the world is that they would be unthankful. And he puts it up there with unholy and all those other lists of sins. Unthankful. We live in an unthankful generation. And I don't know about you, but you get something new and you like it for a while, and then guess what? They release a new one. You know, it cracks me up. You know, you got an iPhone and had a, this better camera, and then they come out with this better camera, and then it's got two camera lenses. Next thing, it's going to, you ain't going to be able to talk on the phone. It'll take a nice picture, but you can't talk on the phone. You ever think about that? And we just can't, but we got to have it, we got to have it, we got to have it. But he says, rather than that, we abound with thanksgiving. Do you realize that there are people in Afghanistan right now and that the Afghani, uh, the, the Taliban are going house to house looking at their phones for Christian content? And if they find it on their phones, they're immediately killing them a torturous death. And we're sitting over here thinking, man, if he don't hurry up, the chicken house is going to be full. I won't be able to eat. Think about it. Paul's saying, listen, we need to be abounding with thanksgiving. We have freedom and we have the opportunity to serve Christ freely in our land. We ought to be abounding with thanksgiving over that. So he goes to verse 8 and he gives them a, a warning. Beware. Beware. Paul's warning. Notice how, I love this language. Look what he says. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Every once in a while, I'll run into somebody who uh, was a, a scholastic student, and they go to college, and they get in there with these weird professors who have nothing to do but sit and talk about stuff that doesn't matter. And they believe this philosophy stuff. And they talk about all these things, and this, and, and this, and that, and this philosophy, and that philosophy. And you know what? A lot of minds, young minds, are corrupted. And especially, I'm not talking about many of you high school and junior high teachers in here, elementary teachers in our school, in our church, you all do a great work. And you do a a fine job. But man, you get up into college and some of these people are whacked. And they want to teach our kids weird philosophies. Weird stuff. And I'm just telling you, it's even going to become more weird as we live. And as the hillbilly would say, it's going to get weirder. And he says, don't let anyone cheat you. This cheats you by buying into weird philosophies. The word philosophy actually means a love of wisdom. When I see philosophy, I picture some you know, person sitting there thinking they're, more, they're smarter than everyone else and they're sitting there you know, and they're little looking down their nose at you talking about something that has nothing to do with life or anything. I mean, I could care less about some guy in the 1600s that Drink hemlock. You know, I mean, he did that. That just shows what kind of guy he is. I don't want to follow him. 
and all those different philosophies that they give you. But let me just tell you this, you know it's even crept in the church. There are philosophies that have crept in the church that try to move us away from the original plan that God had. They try to say that you can be spiritual, but let, you know, you got to light the candles and you got to have this mystic knowledge and you've got to have this emotional experience. You know what? I don't know if you figured this out yet or not, but the older I get, man, sometimes my emotions are all over the charts. Anybody with me? One day I'm great, next day I'm like, man, like the world's coming to an end and I don't even know what happened. Philosophy. And then empty deceit. Notice all of these things are after the traditions of man, according to the principles of the world. It stands in contrast to what the Apostle Paul says. We've moved away from the simple message that faith in Christ alone will save you. But faith in Christ alone will also sanctify you. And faith in Christ alone will one day glorify you. Salvation, the word salvation has, it means three things. It means literally you have been saved, justified from your sins. You're forgiven. You are being saved. You are being sanctified. The longer you and I live, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And it means that we will be saved, in i.e. we will be glorified when we're with Christ. We'll have a glorified body. That's what salvation means. And Paul says we've moved away from that with this knowledge of saying, well, some people have to have, they're smarter and they have this more intimate knowledge. I mean, have you ever listened to someone talk about Scientology? And all of these so-called actors that are wisdom and they have everything, and they, they believe this weird stuff. These, this is important that you understand. Paul says, listen, you, you walk by faith, but you be on guard against these philosophies. You be on guard against these empty deceits, these vain arguments. That's empty. It means nothing. Because listen... Verses 9 and 10, here it is. If you've got nothing, catch this. For in Him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. He is saying that Jesus Christ is the physical representation of God. Amen. God became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory Amen. as the glory of the only begotten. He says, first of all, Jesus is God. He's better than any philosophy. He's better than any tradition of men. He is God. And secondly, he says in verse 10, And you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. Here's Paul's argument. Because Jesus is God, and because you are complete in Him, you never have to worry about being seduced. But you and I have the responsibility to walk by faith. And if we walk by faith in His power because He is Christ and because we are complete in Him, we don't need all these traditions. We don't need an extra revelation to make us something. We are something in Christ. You're something in Christ. When you believe and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you Pass from death of life, you are adopted into the family of God with all of the full, uh, all the full inheritance that anyone that was promised an inheritance ever had. 
You're complete in God. There's no second work of grace. When you trust Christ, you are complete. And Paul tells the Colossian believers that because Jesus is God and you are complete in Him, don't even give the philosophies of men and the traditions of men one inch. Don't move away from Christ. Don't move away from the gospel of Christ. Live it. Love it. Walk in it. Teach it. Share it. Believe it. He is better than any philosopher. He has the, he's the only one that has all the power and all the knowledge and all the wisdom. There's nobody like our God. There's no one like Jesus. And no one, no philosopher, no philosophy can ever take away from that. Hit your wagon to Jesus, stay in the wagon and hang on. It's going to be one great ride. And enjoy every minute of it. You and I that believed in Him are complete in Jesus. Now if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't say that you're complete. You're going to follow all these different traditions of men and you're going to be, Satan's going to control you and eventually if you die without Christ, you will go to a literal burning hell. The Bible teaches that. But you don't have to. You can be set free by the one who came and paid the price for you. You can be set free today by trusting in Jesus Christ and you will stand complete in Him and you will never, ever, ever have to worry about that. Because Jesus is God... And because we're complete in Him, we don't ever, ever, ever have to worry about being seduced. So if you're not saved, I would encourage you today, why don't you come and let someone show you from the Scriptures how you can be saved. Would you bow with me for prayer, please?